Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. Have the most awesome time. This morning, um, I want to bring you a word that's uh, the title of my message this morning is Spiritual Cataracts. And I'm going to be reading to you from 1 Corinthians 13. I'm reading from the New King James Version. God bless. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known." And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I just declare that your word is truth. Your word is life. Your word is directional. Your word is correctional. Your word is encouraging, Father. And Lord, as I bring this word today, I pray you would make my tongue as the pen of a skillful writer. Father, that... The words that I speak will not be my words, but your words through me. I yield now to you, Holy Spirit, flow through me. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice today and online, that, Lord, you would speak to them. You would show them the one thing that they need to take with them today. And, Father, I just pray, Lord God, that you would just minister to everyone through this word. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give you all the praise. I give you all the honour and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Chapter 13, it's known as the love chapter. Um, it's often read at weddings, you know, you usually get that, that all read out when, you, when you're marrying someone. Um, but it's interesting because there's an exercise you can do when you're starting to read that. Uh, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. If you put your name in where it says love, Robin suffers long and is kind. 
Robin does not envy. You know, if we put our names in, it's a really good devotional activity that we can do uh, and just see how God speaks to you as you do that. But today, um, what I really want to look at are verses um, 7 through, through to 13. And I want to unpack it a little bit because um, there's, there's a practical application that I've really, really drawn into this week as I've, as I've sought God about this, this message. So let's look. Love never fails. Love's, love never fails. Our love can fail. Our love is finite. Our love is human. But the love of God will never fail. He is the agape, the Greek word for love in that Uh, context is agape it's unconditional love and God's unconditional love for all of us never ever fails not our love you see we are restricted in the flow of love in that perfect love we want to we want to love perfectly we want to love each other perfectly we want to display the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace long-suffering and all of those things but unless we exchange our human love for a divine love and see through the eyes of Jesus as we're looking at people and walking around and doing the things that we need to do, then um, we, we are limited unless we do that. You see, we can only give the love that we have received ourselves. And if we've got an inability to receive that love of God, if our hearts have been shut down for whatever reason, if we don't love ourselves, it's really hard to love God the way we should But it's also so hard to receive that love and to love others as well. The Apostle Paul, and it can be such a barrier in our lives as well because, you know, Jesus came to love everybody. God loves everybody. God's love is unconditional. You can't buy his love. You can't sell his love. You can't earn his love because we come to him by grace. By grace we are saved through faith. And that's the gift of God through Christ Jesus our Lord and it's an amazing thing. And I don't think that this side of eternity will ever really truly get an understanding of just how great and how wide and how deep and how long and how all-encompassing God's love is for us. We can be our own worst enemy and God wants to work in us so that he can work through us because he wants to heal us first so that we can be bearers of his love in the world that we live in, starting first with our family, with our friends, in our church family. The Apostle Paul here is uh, commending love. Uh, He could be talking about prophecy, he could be talking about tongues, he could be talking about all the other spiritual gifts that the church was flowing in. As you know, maybe those gifts were talked about as a thing of pride, but Paul is actually exalting love above all of those things. And you know, we our inability to receive love is often a case of how we've been parented, what our world has looked like as we've grown up. Sometimes life hasn't been kind to us, and life has marred some of us, or maybe it's just me. Um, But when we look at the incredible, perfect love of God. You know, it's a matter of looking at this perfect God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, for me, for the whole world. So incredible. How great is the love of the Father that he has given us, his son. And not only that, but he's left us with his Holy Spirit. 
that we can know him, we can hear from him. So if we're flowing in gifts in the church, that's all great, but we only know in part and see in part, and I'll get to that. But the greatest of these gifts is love, and it's through the Father. Hmm. God's love is permanent and it's a perpetual grace for all of eternity. Whereas the gifts that were on the Corinthians that were valued in the church were temporary and to make strong and build the church, edify the church on earth. But it's really interesting too because in heaven all those gifts will go. Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. See, prophecy will fail, tongues will cease, and the miraculous power of speaking languages and learning them, that will, that will cease as well. Heaven's going to be one language. We don't hear about heaven preached very often, and yet that's our eternal home. That's where we're all heading for one day. And, you know, our times are in God's hands, so the way he leads us and guides us that's how he's going to bring us through so if we can flow in that love and understand that the greatest of the gifts that he's given us is a perfect agape love that we can absolutely relish in God see knowledge is knowledge is going to vanish away you know we we've all got people who've gone ahead of us to heaven you know and all of us have got questions about what life is going to look like on the other side of eternity but, you know, when we've received Jesus as Saviour and Lord, our eternity has begun. And we've got to walk in the power of the Spirit today, walking in him today, walking in his love today, seeing with the eyes of Jesus, not seeing with natural eyes that can see dimly at times. You know, Paul is speaking of those miraculous gifts that are supernaturally communicated. But it's all going to pass away. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 1 Corinthians 8.1, Paul is comparing. I just want to bring in a little bit of theological teaching and then I want to get into some nitty-gritty. Is that okay? Yeah. Paul's comparing the grace of, of, of love to supernatural gifts and it's the most valuable because it's a, a durable gift. It's a durable, eternal, perpetual gift that God gives us. So when all those gifts are done and we enter into heaven, and that's where the scripture says that which is perfect has come. They're talking about heaven. Paul's talking about heaven. All those gifts are going to have no place because they'll be of no use. Because heaven is a place of perfection. We don't need to edify heaven. We don't need to make it holy. It is as holy as it can ever be. It's a perfect place. That's our eternal home. And because God's there and we've arrived at our ultimate place for the rest of our lives and then for the rest of our lives and then eternity and you know it never ever ends and what an incredible glorious thought that is that one day our earthly work will be done one day everything that we've needed to do and are doing and maybe struggling with it'll all be over and we can go home and we can stand before the Lord and he'll say well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of thy Lord and that's the day that we're all looking for but in between now and then what do we do how do we receive the love how do we walk in love how do we walk in the wisdom of God and that's why God has given the church the gifts of the spirit for edification of the body that means makes holy make clean sanctification for power the power gifts in the church that when you come into church I never ever come to church and don't cry 
Never, never, because I feel the presence of God. I feel the Spirit of God moving in the place through the worship. And it's awesome because it's almost like a touch of heaven on earth. And when we go home to be with Jesus, we will be praising him forever and ever and ever. And then forever and ever. And how awesome is that? But we don't see clearly now. You see, heaven is a place of perfection. God is perfect. We are not. We are not. We're earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power that's in us is all of God and not of us. And we've talked about this before, the fact that we are earthen vessels. God has made us. He's the potter. We're the clay. And he's, he has moulded us for different purposes. But you might be feeling pretty cracked in your pot. That's how the light gets out. That's how we shine Jesus wherever we go. And while ever we are filled with him, he is at work on the inside of us. See, it's not our job to change people. That's the job of God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit who brings conviction and brings the changes that are needed. You know yourself when you do something that you shouldn't do or you have those thoughts like make that traffic light turn green, I'm getting really agitated or (laughs) all of those things, you know. We're not in a perfect world, but we serve a perfect God. Our best knowledge, the best things we learn, and our greatest abilities are, just like us, limited and temporary. Even the knowledge that God gives us through those gifts and manifestations of the Spirit is just a part of the big picture of all that he wants to do all that he wants to show us. It's like we put a lens on, a zoom lens, and God just shows us this picture. But outside of the picture, what we're looking at, there is so much more. So now we see in part and we know in part, but then we will know all. And I'm getting ahead of myself. The world's imperfect. Church is not perfect. Hello. But church, Jesus died for the church. The church is the body of Christ all through this world. And the church is worth fighting for. The church is the reason. So we do our best with the revelation we have and the direction that God gives us. But then Paul compares it when we're flowing in the gifts to functioning as a child as compared to functioning as an adult. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, children are not always aware of the consequences of what they do. They're not always aware of the big picture. They only see the now very, very frequently. I have a four-year-old granddaughter and she is very in the moment. She doesn't think about the consequences of what's going to happen if she jumps in the pool without her life vest on or if she goes to school without her lunch. Or, you know, kids don't think that way. It, it's an immaturity, but children are children and they have the right to be children and they need to be nurtured and protected and cared for and loved and brought up in the way that God wants them to be brought up. They don't always filter things. And they don't always understand that the lens that we look through is the lens of God's love and the responsibility for parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles with the children, 
is to reflect the love of God into the lives of those little precious ones. But you know what? It's not just children that it's limited to. Some adults don't either. They don't understand consequences either. Some of us live in the moment. You know, I can remember a wise old woman saying to me once, plan, Robin, as if you are going to live for a very, very, very long time, but live your today as if it's the last day you have. And that's something that really stuck with me, the urgency of the hour to be walking in obedience to Christ today. And just like children don't always understand, but adults have a greater understanding, that's like the difference between earth and heaven. As children can have those narrow views and they can be confused and have uncertain ideas, in comparison to a grown person who has lived a bit longer, probably suffered a bit more, um, and who has received Christ as saviour, the perspective, the incredible perspective of child and adult, earth and heaven, you start to compare those things as well. And I love to dig into the world, into the word. I absolutely love to really seek out God in what he's saying through the word. And I'd never thought about the fact that children and adults, it's almost like a picture of earth and heaven. Um, and the things that we need to learn while we're here because we're going to take it. You know, the only thing we can take to heaven with us is souls. Those we pray into the kingdom, the things that we do for God, those incredibly, incredibly precious things that he's put in our hands to do so so in the light of eternity God really challenged me am I living my life with the eternal consequence at the very forefront of my mind so sometimes we'll get a dilemma in our lives and you know it's like God says to me what you're worrying about, does it have an eternal consequence? Yes. Well, then this is what you should do. God will show you what you need to do. Does it have an eternal consequence? And I say, no, let it go. Don't worry about it. Building for eternity is building according to the pattern that God shows us in our life. And our worldview can affect the way we see things in our world. Um, it also affects the way we react to things. And our upbringing can affect the way we perceive things, how we process things and the habits that we can form over the years. Stuff that's happened that's caused us great grief or rejection or hurt or stuff that's happened that's caused us to have an incredibly happy life. So there's a flip side to every coin. How do we handle those things? We need to walk in the wisdom of God, according to his word and in his love. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Seeing through a mirror dimly. Definition of dim or dark is to have an obscure or imperfect vision of reality, not bright. Obscured from lack of light, not seen clearly or in detail, indistinct, not clear to the mind, vague and a dim idea. Whereas the opposite of that is the clarity, clearness or lucidity as to perception or understanding, freedom 
from confusion and misunderstanding, ambiguity, freedom through the clear sight that God would give us, a state or quality of being clear or transparent to the eye, and clarity is easy to perceive, it's easy to understand, and it's easy to interpret. You may not know, but um, this week I had some surgery, and I had surgery two weeks ago as well. And this scripture's been speaking to me so much because I had cataract surgery. I had my right eye done two weeks ago, and then I had my left eye done on Wednesday, and it was just day surgery. And But what they did was they took out my cataracts, my lenses, which had grown cataracts on... Cataracts, (laughs) as if... (laughs) They'd grown cataracts on. And then the specialist formulated a lens which was to the prescription for my eyes. Did the right eye first, then the left one on Wednesday. And I've come out of both those surgeries and I don't need to wear glasses anymore. Amazing, amazing. These cataracts grew very quickly. They grew, I got diagnosed in January... And by the time I saw the specialist in February, they had thickened again. So they were growing really quickly. And it made me think about, you know, when I came out of surgery, I had a patch on my eye, but the next day off it came and I'm like, that's so bright. That's so clear. I am not seeing dimly. And sometimes we can be so used to what we're seeing that we don't filter it through the the lens of what God would show us. Sometimes we can be seeing things so darkly and so dimly it becomes normal for us. It becomes our standard. And yet when we have that dimness taken, like we're looking through the mirror darkly and not seeing in full... I've had this natural illustration that's happened in these last two weeks that have really shown me so clearly. You remember that old song, I Can See Clearly Now, The Rain Is Gone? Everybody's humming it now, aren't you? All the 60-somethings, maybe. (laughs) But it was just such an incredible sermon illustration as I went through that. And I thought, what have I missed? What have I not seen that I need to be looking at? You see, we don't always have the full picture. And I thought things were a bit dim. But then I had those scales removed from my eyes (laughs) and that clarity that has come and is continuing to come. And that's why I've called my sermon Spiritual Cataracts today because we can have cataracts on our spiritual eyes. So what causes them? Natural cataracts, they develop through ageing or injury that changes the tissue that makes up the lens of the eye. Proteins and fibres in the lens begin to break down. I'm giving you a science lesson now. (laughs) Causing vision to become hazy or cloudy. Sometimes it's an inherited genetic disorder and sometimes it's caused by other health issues as well. And those things can increase your risks of cataracts. But spiritual cataracts, they can come at any age in our life. Because life does it to us. Hurt. Rejection. Sickness. Family lines of thought inherited through your parents and through your grandparents. Occult activity. Sometimes just your genes that give you a predisposition to it. It can be generational. But how does that play out in the spirit? 
Grief can cause us to see things unclearly. Grief can cause us to withdraw to a place of isolation. Hurt can do the same thing. Unless we're processing things through the healing power of God and that perfect love that I was talking about. Sometimes fear will cloud the way we see things. And sometimes, you may have heard the saying, we see things through rose-coloured glasses. Sometimes people are incredibly optimistic and positive all the time. But dimness and rose-coloured glasses, both swings of the pendulum, can be out of balance. Because sometimes if we are so dimly seeing, we don't see the reality. But also sometimes if we are so up and happy, not that it's a bad thing, we're not looking at the reality for what it is and we're coasting along. With cataracts and everything, a few exceptions. There are very few exceptions to dimness and darkness. And our perspective of God can be so clouded to far less than what God wants us to see. God wants us to see his world as he's created it. God wants us to see each other. And understand the love that he has for each other, every person, so that we can see through the eyes of love. God is love. Blindness can affect us as we see these things. This has got a good ending, I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> like Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Paul was going about life, doing everything that he thought was the right thing to do. But there was a, a blindness about what he was doing. You see, we can do things that we think are expected of us and mostly we do it according to the understanding that we have. You see, we can be, we can be equally as deceived in doing what is presented to us without filtering it through what God wants us to do. So Paul was out on that road to Damascus and God laid hold of him. And Paul had an incredible conversion experience and he was struck blind for three days. And then he went into, um, into Joppa. And we've been there, haven't we, guys? Yeah. <laughs> to the house of Simon the Tanner. And he was prayed for and then something like scales fell from his eyes, it says in the Bible. Acts 9, verse 18. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, did he have cataracts? <laughs> But it showed the essence of spiritual blindness can affect everything that we do. And when God gets hold of us, when he acknowledged Jesus as Saviour and Lord, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees going about doing everything he thought was the right thing to do. He was going about from place to place, persecuting the believers, the way, those who believed in Jesus. And yet God in his incredible faithfulness and mercy and love could see what Saul was doing as he was then. And laid hold of him on that road, threw him from his horse. Sometimes we say, oh, God's gentle. He wasn't then. <laughs> Sometimes he'll do what's needed to get our attention so that we can see that Jesus can be in the midst of our circumstances to bring adjustment and to give us the sight to see the things that we need to be doing. See what our past has been. We've got to filter our past through the, through the cross of Christ and his grace and his love 
and then bring us into the now so that what has been is no longer a barrier to us seeing how life can be in him. And it's never too late. It is never too late to change. It is never too late to say, I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow him. It's never too late to say the past is the past and today is a new day. And today I'm choosing to see with the eyes that God is giving me. Today I'm choosing to walk in the love that God has for me. Today I'm choosing to see through the lens of his love in the world that we live in, in the family that God has placed us in, with our partners, with the plans. And today is a day where God wants to get hold of us because I believe time is short. We don't know what the future is going to bring, but today is the day God has given us and we can choose to rejoice in him. We can choose to say yes to Jesus today. Like Paul can be about business, thinking we're doing okay, but we're really blind to what's happening, blinded to the things that God wants to do in us, first of all, and then through us. As we talked about bad things that can happen, that can cause those cataracts to glow, grow, glow, clouding our sight, clouding our vision, causing us to have like tunnel vision with some things. And that's not the perfect will of God for us. He wants us to see with the eyes of faith. He wants to see him as the God of the impossible for nothing is impossible with him. No matter what your past has been, it is not going to dictate what your future is in God when you take hold of him and say, yes, Lord, I'm saying yes to you today. I'm saying yes to the plans you have for me. I'm saying no to the bindings and the shackles of the past that would keep me locked in a place of tunnel vision. I'm saying yes to the God of creation who has called you forth. Mm. Called you to a place of incredible grace of gratefulness and thankfulness where you can say, thank you, Lord, that I live because you live, I live. And because I live, I look at the people around me. God, do they know you? What can we do? What can we do? And God will show you passion for the things of God. The Jews... They're still waiting for the blinders to come off their eyes. They're still waiting for their Messiah. But that's for our benefit because blindness in part has come to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's us. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. That's us. Romans 11.25, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Blindness will lead us down that wrong path. We can't see clearly or understand the danger ahead. And blindness will help us to follow leaders that are not leading in the direction God wants us to go in. Luke 6.39, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? So if we follow those blind philosophies, it's not going to end well. It might be good for a time, but it's not sustainable because it's only Jesus that gives eternal life and brings us into the fullness of all that he has for us. So how do we get rid of them?
How do we get rid of these cataracts and clouds in our vision? We're blind until we receive Jesus. The first step is salvation. The first step is coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me. Take my life. Forgive me my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And God, show me the things that you want me to see. God, show me the things I need to let go of. Show me the things I need to pick up. I give my life to you. That's the beginning. But when we've been in Jesus an awful long time and we've been around a long time and stuff has happened, how do we get to have that face-to-face with Jesus when we're not seeing him clearly, when we're not seeing him for who he truly is? You see, when we start with Jesus, the journey begins. When we recognise that our blindness in part is due to just life. Sometimes it's just not our fault. But when it is, Lord, I'm sorry. We repent and we turn away from what it is that's caused us to take on board those things. It's an amazing thing when God begins to restore your sight. John 9.25 The man who was born blind from birth, he said. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him and said, Was this man a sinner that prayed for you and caused you to see? You see, blindness will cause us to apportion blame to people. Blindness will cause us to look around and see the specks and forget about the planks in our own eyes. And the man said, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. God's amazing grace. God has given us a measure of faith. He's given us enough faith to be saved. He's given us enough faith to walk out each day. He's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered by him. He's poured his love on us. And the power of prayer when we are hurt or hurting is the power of God's love to come through the hands of those who can pray for you and bring the healing that God wants you to have and help you to see your way out through all of those labyrinths of your mind because sometimes it's all just in your mind as well. It's not what you're seeing, it's what you're thinking Like-minded people who will pull alongside of you and say, let me pray for you, let me encourage you, let me walk with you. Taking it to Jesus, he's given us the faith to believe. And sometimes we say, Lord, I believe, but help me, my unbelief. My prayer, God, open our eyes to see with heavenly perspective. God, give us the vision that we need to walk out this life for your purpose. God, give us an open heart to receive your love 
And let it be a two-way street so that as we receive, we can give that love. God, wash our minds. Renew our minds through the washing of your word. And let us see as we exercise faith and exercise our spiritual legs in walking with Jesus when we see clearly. Let us see the God possibilities, the God potentials that are right in front of us that we've maybe thought, nothing for me to do here. See, we can be so blind to what the need is and it can be right in our backyard. And now, abide, faith, hope and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. For God is love. God is love. First John 4, 7-11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that he might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And 1 John 4.16, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Faith, hope and love, the three principal graces. How am I going for time? Mm. But love is the chief. It all comes through God the Father, through his Son to us. You see, faith will fix on that divine revelation and God's word. We've got to have faith. And we've got to have hope because that hope fixes us on the future. And we can wait for that. But in heaven, faith and hope will be swallowed up in the perfect love of God. Because it's perfection. And we don't need to have faith because it's all there. And we don't need to hope because we're there, we've arrived. We're in that perfect place. We'll see it, how it really is. Mm. I remember on the day that I planned my suicide, back in 1992, I had a husband and I had three little girls, four and three and one. I still have three little girls, but they're big girls now. I can remember walking down the path to the library to find a book that was going to give me hope. I was really searching into reincarnation and all those philosophies that don't bring us to God. But this particular day... I took home a book from the library because all the reincarnation books had been booked out. Funny that. And this book was written by an Anglican minister. 
And as I opened the book, in the centre page there were four cartoons. Took it home. My husband Vic was a chronic gambler um, and drinker. You would never have known in his latter years what his past had been. But you see, that's the love of God and that's the grace of God. And this Saturday, I sat in the lounge room and I thought, I'm no good to my husband. I'm no good to my kids. I'm just going to die tonight. I'm going to take all my pills. Children watching this, please understand that sometimes life gets hard, but God is greater than all of this. So I had a plan. And then I opened the book from the library and I looked at these four pictures. And the first one said, Buddha died looking for the way. And the second one was Muhammad. And it said, Muhammad died looking for the way. And the third one was the Vegas. I thought, who's the Vegas? They died looking for the way. The fourth picture, Jesus on a cross. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And some of you have heard this story before, but there are many here that haven't. And I can tell you I was totally blind to that saving grace of God until that moment. And in that lounge room in Winky, near Berry, not, not near Nudgee, <laughs> I cried out to God. I said, God, if you're real and if you're there, take me. I'm no good. I'm no good to my husband. I'm no good to my kids. But if you can do something with me, here I am. Here I am. And in that instant, I felt like I got new eyes. I felt like there'd been a transaction with a God that I didn't even know existed, but I was reaching out to. Didn't even know if it was real. Didn't even know if he could hear me. God, if you're real, if you're there, take my life because I'm going to die tonight because they're going to be better off without me. Such is the deception that we can live under in our world. But God, in his grace and mercy, he did this thing in my heart at that moment and I knew that something had happened. I didn't know what. But I heard a voice in my ear I had two ears then. I've got a deaf ear now, but it was still in my deaf ear. I remember, your life will never be the same again. Do you want that? I thought, who's talking to me? Yes. I don't want this life. If you can do something with me, here I am, Lord, take me. 
And there was a divine transaction in that instant. I knew my life was changed. I knew I'd been healed of depression. I knew that life would never be the same again. And I ran down the passage to see my husband who was on the phone putting bets on through his tab betting account. And I said, guess what's just happened to me? And Vic looked at me and said, shut up. I'm listening to a race. (laughs) And I went to the window. And I looked out that window. And we had a cottonwood tree on our front lawn. And it was the greenest green I have ever seen in all my life. And I looked at the sky and it was the bluest blue I had ever seen in my life. And I knew then, God is real. God heard my prayer. God worked in my life. And that was the beginning of the journey, but he gave me eyes to see. Because when we cry out to God, say, Lord, do something. Do something with me. Do something in me. He will never neglect you. He will never neglect you. And that was the beginning of my journey. And so I had spiritual blindness then. I've had a natural blindness now. But there's a a theme that goes through all of our lives as believers in Christ. Keep our eyes clear. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We keep looking at him because when we're looking at him, we're looking full into the light of glory and grace. And when we do that, we can feel that incredible love, that agape love that pours upon our lives and he brings healing into our hearts. Wherever you're at today with God, if you feel like... You have been looking through other lenses. If you feel like your life has come to a place where maybe you're feeling cynical about things, maybe you've been hurt, maybe you need another revelation of God's love, maybe you're wanting that faith and vision to rise through the obscurity of what you can't see in this time. I'm going to open the altar shortly and come and the team and I would love to pray for you because I really believe in the days we're living in we have to have our eyes not just open but fixed and focused and see the things that God wants us to see. I'm not special, let me tell you. I had lots of issues, still do, (laughs) but God's at work in me. If he can do that for me, what can he do for you? Because you are so loved. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for the power of your word. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this place and those listening online today, Father God. Father, the beginning starts with salvation, receiving you as Saviour and Lord. Lord God, I pray right now for those who don't know you or have walked away from you. Lord, as as they still their hearts before you, maybe they're in a place of desperation and really don't even want to live. But God, I pray right now you would just reach down from on high. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he heard my voice. He reached down and plucked me out of that miry clay. I pray that for everyone who's feeling that today. I pray, Father God, as they look to you now, they would receive you as saviour. Lord, I pray that as they pray this now, 
Father, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Receive me. Bring me the restoration that you know you want to do in me. Walk me into the plans you have for me. Bring me the healing I need in Jesus' name. I pray right now for everyone who's made a decision for Jesus today. Lord God, that you would pour your spirit out upon each and every one of them. I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, they would have that revelation of the incredible God love that you have for them. I pray, Father God, that you would begin the process of healing all the years of abuse and hurt and neglect and rejection, Father God. I pray you give them eyes to see the things that the Spirit of God would show them, Lord God. And I pray, Father God, for healing of that sight for each one of us. And God, I pray as we receive that revelation that you would empower us by your Spirit to walk in the love that you have for us, that we can receive from you, we can love you, and we can love others. In Jesus' mighty name, let faith rise through the obscurity. We speak it, we believe it, and we thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.